Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right. Well, before you sit down, would you please open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If you were here for the first service and you stuck around for the second, can you act like you haven't heard it and shout anyway? (laughs) Amen. Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says like this. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Everyone say, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was completely restored as whole as the other. Word of the Lord. I want to speak to you today on the subject, grace to restore. Grace to restore. Can you close your eyes for a moment? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful to change, to turn the hearts of men and women back to you and back to each other, God. I thank you that your word comes and speaks to us in a particular moment, particular time of our life in which we need it most, God. So today, as this word goes forth, would it find good ground, good hearts, Lord, And it made it produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord. Do what only you can do through your word and your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands one more time as you are seated? I want to begin today with the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 25 through 27. The Bible says like this, So I will restore to you the years... That the swarming locust has eaten the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Here is the promise of restoration. My people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Lighthouse. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of your family. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of your life. And I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And just in case you forgot what the promise was, he repeats it once again. And he says, my people shall never be put to shame. 
This is what grace does during restoration. Grace never restores you to shame you. It always restores you to heal you. But the thing that I believe God wants to restore in our lives the most is really not stuff. It's really not things, you know, a lot of times when we talk about restoration, we talk about God restoring the thing that the devil lost, that we lost and the devil took. But the truth is that when we read scripture, the thing that God really wants to restore, the Bible says is I want to restore the years. This is talking about time. I want to restore time. Why? Because it's not always about stuff. Before he restores things, God wants to restore time. Everything else in your life, you can get on your own. Money comes and goes. You have it one day, it's gone the next day. Things come and go. You drive a one car in five, five years, but you're done paying it off. You get a new one. Houses come and go. But time, can you get time back? You can't get time back. But God said, I will restore your time. Because there are many people who feel like you've given time to the wrong thing. There are many people who believe I've given her, I've given him the best years of my life. How did they walk away from me? How did they go away when I gave them the best years of my life? A company lets you go after 20 years of you serving and working. And you say, I gave them the best years of my life. How do they pink slip me now after everything I did? And God is saying to you, honey, child, you have not seen the best years of your life. I will restore the time. I can do more in one year than the trauma that you've gone through in the last 20 years. Come on, somebody. God can do more exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever ask or think in one moment than the years that you think you have lost. And God restores your time. He restores your energy. He restores your peace. He restores your joy. In one moment in his presence, things can come back to you. It takes one idea. I believe there's people here, your one idea, your one creative idea from moving to the next level financially and economically in your, in your marriage and in your family. Your one idea. And all that takes is one moment in the presence of God. I got like three amens. Everybody else is cool. I said, your one idea from things turning around for your good. I said, your one creative idea, your one, cre- one step away from restoration coming into your life. And the Bible says that Jesus walks into a synagogue. For those of you that don't know what a synagogue is, a synagogue is a Jewish temple. It's a Jewish church. And they're worshiping and, they're, and Jesus is teaching. And all of a sudden, as Jesus is teaching, the Bible says that Jesus notices a man who had a withered hand. The Bible doesn't say he was missing a hand. It was just withered. It wasn't working right. It was dysfunctional. It wasn't good. And he was sitting in the synagogue. And so Jesus 
The Bible says that Jesus calls the man out and he says, you step forward. Everyone say step forward. Okay. What's particular about this miracle is that Jesus never heard somebody crying out for a miracle. What's particular about this miracle is that there was no one asking for a miracle. There was, this wasn't blind Bartimaeus calling out, shouting out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No, no, no. This was not the woman with the issue of blood who said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment and she drags herself to Jesus. And No, 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 no. This was a man who was sitting in the church with a withered hand and he was okay with it. Which communicates to us that there are things in our life that we're okay with that Jesus is not okay with. Oh, you ain't talking to me today. That's all right. He calls out a man who has become accustomed to his dysfunction. He has become comfortable in the dysfunction of something being withered in his life. Can I speak to somebody today that some people, maybe the other service, not not this service, the church down the street. Some people have become so comfortable in their dysfunction, they don't know how to live outside of the dysfunction. You become so adept, you adapt to the situation. You adapt to the circumstance. But when you walk into a space where there's grace, grace calls you out from the dysfunction, not to shame you it calls you out to heal you it calls you out because there's a better future for you it calls you out because there's something better that God has is there anybody listening this morning you about to step into a better future than you thought you had there were some things in this man's life and the Bible says that he was there and Jesus shouts out his name and he says hey hey you you see back in the day back back in the day I grew up, you know, Pastor, Pastor Josh shared a little bit about this back in the day. We used to go to tent revivals. Oh, Lord. And they'd invite an evangelist or a prophet and an uh, apostle, archangel, something, something, you know, whatever you name them. And, and they'd, you'd be sitting in the crowd. And, and, you know, you had all the rebellious pastor kids in the back that were trying to backslide. Couldn't even backslide right. Can't even do that right. Can I talk to some backsliders? You're here today because you can't even backslide right. You're so marked by the Holy Spirit that even while you were trying to, you couldn't even do the rotation right, man. Uh, and you acted, you in the club, you, da- you can't even do that right because you, you were made to dance for Jesus. You were made to praise God. You're in that room with people that you shouldn't be with trying to act like you. Don't leave me out here by myself. You're in that room trying to act like people that you shouldn't be around with. But God, God's spirit is right there with you, convicting you. You can't even backslide right. You're so, man, I'm so grateful. I was so marked by God that I can 
couldn't even sin right. Conviction came into my heart. Uh, my conviction came into my spirit. And God would start pulling you out. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you're here because grace was enough for you to meet you where you, even in your sin, even in the crack house you were in, even in the massage parlor you were in. Don't make me, don't make me go there. God was right there pulling you out. the person next to you can't even backslide right can't even backslide can't even do it right and so and so we would invite this man and and they and the first thing my friends would say do not make eye contact with them don't you we'd, we'd have these camps with the youth and we'd invite the preachers of preachers and and they'd pull you out and then they'd tell you you come here <laughs> And you were scared out of your mind because, you know, the trash was about to come out in front of all your friends. And your, then your mom was going to find out and your daddy was going to find out. And it turns out you're the pastor's kid. And so it's even worse. And so everyone was like, do not make eye contact. So the moment he would start walking down the aisles, you just lift your hands and just kind of let's just worship. You know how like the cameras come around? You know what I'm talking about? The, the media comes at, mm. right? You got to be careful. Sometimes they get that ugly cry. though. <laughs> Jesus did something similar, but he never did it to shame him. Jesus, I love, that's what I love about Jesus. He created a space where my weaknesses can be seen without shame because something happens in a space where I can show my weakness without being, being shamed. And so he tells the man, your life is about to change. But I need you to do something. I need you to get up and step forward. He wasn't asking for the miracle, but grace was looking for a miracle to perform. He finds the man that had something withered in his life. And before he restores anything else, he says, I need you to get up and move forward. Because number one. For those of you taking notes, restoration only happens. Restoration only happens when you step forward. The irony of this is that many of us believe that in order for something to be restored, we've got to go back. There are moments in your life where you say, I want to get over something. I want to get something restored. I want to move forward. I just need closure. I, I just, I just, if I could just meet with them one more time. If I can just have just th that last talk and we can just have closure. I'm here by the word of the Lord to say your restoration doesn't happen when you move back. Your restoration happens when you move forward. Jesus paid a high price. 
to pull you out from where you are so that you can go back to the same mess. You don't need to go back. You need to get up and move forward in the name of Jesus. I declare that there is a moving forward spirit over this house, over these families, over your children in the name of Jesus. You're going to have to shake off the offense. You're going to have to shake off the unforgiveness. You might have to forgive even when they didn't ask you for forgiveness. It's not because you need the forgiveness is because the forgiveness sets you free and it moves you forward in the name of Jesus. Do I got a witness in here ready to move forward? Come on, somebody give God praise. It will demand, restoration will demand that you move forward in Jesus' name. It will require this because this is where your restoration happens. Philippians 3, 12 through 15 says like this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, I don't got it all together. I don't, I don't have all the I's dotted and the cross and the T's crossed and my family's not perfect and my children are not perfect and my marriage is not perfect. But there is one thing that I do do, forgetting what is behind me. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the high price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Don't stop there. You got to keep reading. He says, let those who are mature... Think this way because getting up and moving forward is a mindset. Nobody can do this for you. You have to decide. Even if nobody goes with me, I have decided. I am moving forward. Even if they don't say I'm sorry, I have decided to forgive. Because I am moving forward. Even if I don't hear from them again, I have decided I will not stay in my dysfunction. I will. I came to speak to a marriage that's withered. I came to speak to some relationships that are withered. How am I going to move forward? You got to put it in your mind. Let those that are mature. This is a mindset, baby. I got to get up and move forward. Let those who are mature think this way when I was a child I spoke like a child I thought like a child I behaved like a child what does a child do a child is always looking for revenge a child's always looking for how do I get them back a child's always looking to be the one last one to talk they're that's the they, they say something I'm gonna say something they hurt me I'm gonna hurt them I'm gonna do it better but the mature persons, I'm choosing my battles. I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. So let those of you who have a mature mind think this way. Look what Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says. It says like this. Remember not, remember not, remember not, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can I stop there for just a moment? Everyone say remember not. Okay, I have a problem when the Bible says things like this. Remember not. Okay, hold up. Like, I'm just supposed to somehow not 
remember. Am I, am I, yeah, am I the only one? Am I crazy? How do I just not remember? How do I just not remember? Like, I, I just, no. But you got to do your due diligence and kind of look into what, what he's really saying. The word remember doesn't mean you never think about it again. The word remember actually means you never focus on it again. Because when the thoughts come, the Bible says, bringing every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, I don't focus on what happened. I'm focusing on where I'm going. And as long as, see, I think it was Michael Jordan that said, you can't stop somebody that knows where they're going. Because when I focus on what's ahead of me, I don't have time to entertain what's behind me. So remember not the things in the past. He says, consider things or consider things. Oh, I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing forth. When? Now. Not tomorrow. Right now. Do you not perceive it? In other words, it is God already made up his mind about what he's going to do in and through you. It is not up to him anymore. It's up to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, we had not made up our mind about him. And he had already made up his mind about us. And when we could not get to him, he came to us anyway. So it's not, my God, it's not about making up his mind. It's about making up your mind. I'm getting up from this dysfunction and I'm going to press forward to what Jesus has in front of me. I'm going to give you five seconds to give God praise like you believe something's about to shift in this house. Come on, clap your hands like you believe somebody moving forward. Number two, all right. I got got a three-pointer, so I got to hurry. Yeah. He says, step forward. So now... Here he is in the middle of a crowd. Can you imagine if this man was a first-time guest? (laughs) It's my first time at church. I get called out by Jesus. And Jesus says, don't just stand up. Come here. So now, in the middle of a crowd, isn't it true that if something like that was to happen to us, we'd feel like we're all the attention's on us. So there's a certain isolation that your mind processes as you're moving forward. And you're like, oh, my God. I, I, I want to talk about that isolation. I want to talk about that moment where it feels like it's just you. Isolation is not loneliness. Isolation is actually incubation. Because there are moments in the restoration process that nobody else can go with you. Some of us are here. A lot of us are here. I see a lot of familiar faces. A lot of us are here because we had a praying grandmother. A lot of us are here because we had a praying mother. A lot of us are here because we had a praying family member or friend. 
that was praying and having faith to believe that one day you would walk in to this tent and and you're here today but there comes a moment in our lives where their faith can only take you so far and you must have an encounter with God on your own can nobody go to the next place but you it reminds me of a man named Abraham the Bible says that Abraham was had been asked by God to sacrifice his son. Abraham takes his servants with him. When Abraham sees the place of sacrifice from far, he turns around and tells his servants, he draws a line and he tells his servants, from this point forward, you can't go with me because it's going to be me and the lad that are going to go worship. We'll be back, but we're going to go worship. And can we be honest for a moment? I'm a father There's fathers and mothers here. Can you imagine the heartache that Abraham was walking in knowing I've got to sacrifice my son. And he didn't know how he was going to get out of this. But all he did was walk in God's obedience. And as he walked by faith in his obedience, the Bible says that on the other side of the hill, there was a ram. The provision was on its way. He couldn't see it. But he was just walking in obedience. Can I tell somebody here? You might feel like you're walking in isolation. But the provision is coming on the other side. I heard a song say, even when I don't see it, he's still working. Even when I don't feel it, he's still working. It's coming on the other side, baby. I don't see it. I don't see my marriage the way God said it was going to be. I don't see my children the way God said it was going to be. Keep walking in obedience because God is about to restore everything the enemy tried to take from you. Do I have a church this morning that believes the word of God? So he steps forward. And here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets real interesting. The Bible says that he tells the man, stretch out your hand. So I know what you're thinking. But can we be honest for just a moment? Wouldn't it be so that if Jesus was to ask us to stretch out our hand would we not give him the good hand oh, oh y'all y'all leaving me out here by myself i'm gonna prove it to you would would we not stretch out the good hand if jesus says give me your hand you're not gonna give him the withered hand you're gonna give him the good hand can i prove it all right let me, let me prove it how many times did it take you to post the selfie Especially if you're with your girlfriends, right? Some guys too. It's crazy. Some guys. <laughs> Girl, get in here. Get in here. Take it. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. Like, stick out your neck a little. <laughs> Don't leave me out here by myself like I... <laughs> Let me see. Throw the filter. What filters you got? No, no, no. Download the new one. Watch. Have you seen this filter? Oh, my God. Look what you're, look at, look at how it makes your eyes look. I love it, girl. Oh, my God. And you take 15 pictures 
filter it up before you post it because we live in such a superficial world that we always, we were taught, put your best foot forward. Show your best. Best foot forward. So we think that our relationship with Jesus is the same way. Put the filters on. Show your best foot. But Jesus, this is what I love about Jesus. He creates a place and a space for his grace to be able to be manifested. Not so you show the good hand, so that you show the withered stuff. You know the stuff you're trying to hide? You know the things that are keeping you from moving to where God wants you to be? You know the things that are pulling your family down and you walk into church and you walk into your synagogue and you walk into your place and they ask you, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and I leave favored from the Lord. I'm great. You are a liar. You're messed up. You're mar- you were arguing on the way here. You barely made it. You were dragging your kids out of the, out of the house into the car because you're going to be late to church. And every it's always you. And it's always you. And it's always you. And, and you're messed up. And God is saying, give me that stuff. Give me the withered things. Give me the things you can't control. Give me the things you can't, uh, you can't change on your own. Do I got a witness in here that we're all a little messed up and we all need the grace of God over our life to pull us out. Give me your withered hand. Give me the withered. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying today. Give me, give me the withered stuff. Give me the things that need life. Give me the relationships that need my presence and my spirit in it. And look what I can do when you give me your weaknesses. Look, you know, God can do more with our surrender than we can do with our strengths. That the more we surrender things to God, the more he heals us because God can never heal the things we continue to hide. Not because he doesn't know them, but because we don't give him permission to bring life to those withered things in our life. The Bible says, That when he was going to stretch out his hand, he he finally stretches out the withered hand. And you know what? They're in church. They are in church. Pastor Josh, I would think that everyone would be ecstatic about a withered hand. Just getting restored. I would think at the church, bring out the B3 organ and run the aisles. We going old school. Somebody's hand just got restored. Bring, I mean, let's, let's do this. But the truth is that the Bible says that the church people got mad. Can I just minister to somebody? Not everyone is going to agree with you becoming healed, holy, and whole. Because there are people, man, I don't know who this is for today, but it's somebody. There are people in your circle that need you to be broke and busted. Because that is the only way 
that they can have relationship with you. But the moment God heals you, God restores you, and he makes you whole, you realize it's not so much that we're not friends anymore. I just don't have anything in common with you because I've allowed God to restore my life. So not everybody is going to be all right with you being good. But you know what Jesus did? He healed them anyway. What am I trying to tell you? Not everybody in your family is going to be glad that you come to Sunday service on, on, in the mornings on Sunday. And you come to Lighthouse and you join the, the growth track and you join the uh, a group. And No, no. Not everybody's going to be happy. You know what? Get healed anyway. Get restored anyway. Walk into the newness of life anyway. Jesus is willing. If you're willing, he's willing to restore you anyway. If you're willing to step into a new life, he's willing to do it. And Jesus said, I'm willing to do it if he, does, if he steps forward. So even if everybody's not good with you, that's all right. Not everybody is going to be, oh, oh, you don't do that no more. Oh, you too good now? No, I'm actually healed now. And I don't need that anymore. Oh, but is it, weren't you? No, grace restored me. I got into a place where I allowed God to see my withered areas. You know the things that I, I was trying to hide. And, because you can. Oh man I'm a church kid man. You can sit. Years in a pew. Or a seat. And still be jacked up. But it isn't until you. Say God. I, here's my withered stuff. And God says alright. Watch what I'm going to do. And then the Bible says. I'm closing now. I feel the Holy Spirit here right now. Somebody's getting joy back. Oh, somebody's getting peace back. So, I mean, I'm, I'm talking real peace, like, like real joy. The Bible says that when Jesus was done healing his hand, done restoring his hand, the Bible says that his withered hand was completely restored. See, I think the authors are intentional about what they write. The word complete is important. I'm going to help some of the ladies out right now, just real quick. They've ever started projects in your house that haven't been completed yet? I got, okay. Let me talk to this side over here. You know them baseboards your wife's been asking for? You know that restroom that needs painting? But you did like, y'all looking at me like, that's messed up. You know those, that garage that's supposed to be set in order, but you came back from a trip and you just threw everything in there and then. Oh, you ain't saying nothing to me. <laughs> and your wife's like, when you going to fix this mess, I'll get to it. <laughs> and, and, and you do things halfway. I'm so, this is what I love about Jesus. He never does things halfway. Yeah. 
So if you're in the process and you're like, God, when is this over? When, it, when, when am I going to move? He, remember, he, he'll never stop halfway. He will finish the good work that he has begun in you. And the Bible says that it was as good as the other hand. A few years ago, I'm with this. I just right, right when the pandemic hit, we bought a new house. And uh, well, it wasn't a new house; it's an old house. I wanted a new house. We had been searching for about two or three years for the right house, and uh, we finally found this real nice area. And uh, I walked into the office of the new track homes that were there and uh, finally found the the house we wanted. And uh, walk in, everything's good. I I imagined where the couches were going and all the things. My wife was starting to think about where everything was supposed to be. And uh, we're about to sign, sign the paperwork. Everything's good. Loans, it's ready. Just sign, seal, deliver, let's go. My wife, she says, uh, um, can I talk to you for just a moment? I said, yeah, let's go. She goes, I'm so sorry, Jay. She calls me Jay. I'm so sorry, Jay. I don't want this house. I said, do you want a bigger house? I mean, what, what? She goes, no, don't get mad at me. You know, when they, when they start, don't get mad at me. You, you're about to, <laughs> about to lose it. Don't get mad at me. But do you remember a few months ago, we saw that old house? I said, which one? I mean, it's like 30 of them. She goes, you know, the, the, the real ugly one. So when we, when we first went to go look at our house, there was a semi-truck parked in the front, in the, the front area, front yard of the house. There was a semi-truck parked in the front yard of the house. It had no grass. It was dirt. It was a really ugly color in, outside, inside. They had two big Rottweilers in the house. So when we walked in, oh, what is that? I mean, it was bad. I walked in. I literally, I walked in and I walked out. My wife's like, I want to look at the house. I said, you look at the house. This ain't a house. She goes all the way up, comes all the way down. She goes, you remember that house that smelled real bad? And You have got to be kidding me. So she was no longer Liz. She was Elizabeth. Elizabeth. (laughs) Elizabeth. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And we don't have the money to restore this house. I, I, this is set. Your, who turns down a new house? She said, look, Robert. So we're, we're calling each other by our first names now. (laughs) Look, Robert, you always told me it's all about, you know, the square footage of the property because it was a big, much bigger property. The property was twice as big as the new, the new build. And, and I go, Elizabeth, I don't know how you, long story short, Elizabeth got what she wanted. 
they usually do. And so I'm, I'm standing at the house and, and I'm going, Lord, this is horrible. I can't have my kids living in here. So I started remodeling some of the rooms and I told her, you're going to stay at your mother's house until I finish. So long story short, the, the project was for about a year and a half. So we were supposed to stay at my in-law's house for a year and a half while I restored the house and get them in. Well, the pandemic hits and nobody's working. And there's about 15, 20 guys at church calling me every day. Pastor, uh, what you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, working in my house. You know what? Why don't you come help me tear some stuff up? Yeah. I had about 20 guys working my, what, what was supposed to last a year and a half, lasted three months. We restored it. That's a word, and I'll, I'll release it right now. And a few months later, eight months later, the, the old owner of the house came by. He had to pick up his mail. But I didn't know who he was, so... I see this man through the cameras. He's pacing back and forth in my front yard. And then he's looking at the address like, there's no way. So I walk out there and I said, sir, can I help you? Are you looking for an address or something? He goes, um, is this my house? I said, no, it's my house. <laughs> And he goes, no, no, no. I mean, did I used to live here? I said, are you Mr. Ortega? He said, yeah, I'm Mr. Ortega. I said, yeah, this. He goes, it, it, I can't, this house was a mess. I said, I know. I, I bought it. And it smelled nasty too. He goes, I don't even recognize what it used to be. And I said, ooh. I'm going to preach this. <laughs> because that's what God is going to do in your life. People are going to look at you and walk. Why aren't you bitter anymore? Why, why are you all full of joy now? Like, I got caught up by grace. And it restored my soul. It didn't give me stuff. It restored the years that the swarming locusts had eaten. It restored the years of bitterness and anxiety. It restored the years that depression took. It restored the years that the trauma took. It restored the years that the abuse took. It restored the years of the divorce that it took. It restored the years when I came to God's grace. It provided a space for me to say, I'm not okay. And God took me and he restored my joy back. He restored. I'm talking to somebody today you're gonna get your joy back you're gonna get your peace back you're gonna get your strength back and it's gonna be greater than it was before can you stand with me today Whew. I love it when Jesus confirms his word I love it when Jesus lines everything up for us. 
And Pastor Josh stood up here and he said, this song that we were singing is not just another song. It is literally the message of somebody's heart today. Can I tell you that before it was your message, the message of your heart, it was God's message for you. That he's saying, I'm not letting you leave this Sunday morning with any more withered things. But you got a good house and you got a good place where we don't have to perform, pretend to be something we're not, but where we can be honest so that we can get healed and we can walk into the newness of life and a new future that God has for your children and for your family. And I know it was difficult for somebody in here today to walk into church maybe and you're kind of like, man, here we go again. But God is so good and so gracious that he aligns everything. See, it's, it's not when the stars align. It's not the energy. It's God's divine power over your life. It's God's divine time over you and your family and your children. That he's saying, show me the stuff. Bring it to me. Can I tell you there's nothing about you that surprises God? There's nothing about your family that surprises God. But rather, he knows all things. But it's when we surrender it to God that God can take the broken pieces of our lives and breathe his life into it. It's when we give him the withered, like, the, you know, the messed up stuff. The unfiltered stuff. The things it's hard for you to talk about. And he says, you give them to me. Come to me. All of you who are tired. If there's burden in you, I'll give you rest. You don't have to carry it. So he brought you here today. And he brought me here today to let you know there's a grace to restore here. And he's going to do it right now. So here's what I want you to do. Just for a moment. As the worship team begins to worship and sing and create an atmosphere of healing and, and praise and deliverance. The addictions that you go through and nobody knows about. The moments you keep clicking on things you shouldn't be clicking on. The swiping that you need to stop swiping. The areas you keep going, the internal struggles, the battles inside, the anxieties, the depressions, the suicidal thoughts, the things that maybe it's just better if we just end it. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. And today God is going to breathe his life into the withered areas of your life. Can you raise your hands with me right now? Close your eyes. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.